Hey everybody, in this episode we are going over a huge lesson from the summer season of the podcast. This is the big summer wrap-up and something that I spoke to so many people about was empathy, reading people, and listening to people. So in this episode we're going to go over some key lessons on empathizing with other people. First up is Professor Bruce Craven. Bruce is a professor at the Columbia University Business School. He wrote a book about leadership lessons from Game of Thrones. And we had a great discussion about what we could take from the examples and the characters and the stories in Game of Thrones to become better leaders. And specifically, this clip is Bruce talking about how Tyrion Lannister empathizes with people and uses that skill to take him far in the Game of Thrones. I think he's got a very strong ability to empathize with people uh-huh. and to understand them. I mean, early on when he tells Jon Snow, you know, embrace the fact that you're a bastard. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he's saying, look, you know, that's how I've had to approach my life. And he's seen commonality. He could have, he could have looked at Jon Snow as just some, you know, unimportant, you know, un, unimportant kid that was related to someone his father probably wanted you know i mean he he chose to care right right and so i think all through the story when he when he defends sansa Mm -hmm. um in front of of joffrey he's choosing to care about people Mm -hmm. and he's choosing to empathize with them and at the same time he's got humor you know he can diffuse he can diffuse really tense situations um like when shaga of of the hill tribes you know tells him Tyrion, son of Tywin, how do you want to die? Right. And he says, you know, in bed at 80 with a bottle of wine, et cetera, et cetera. And he, you know, he, I remember the rest yeah, of that yeah, line. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got a way of connecting with people through yep. that. And I think where it, where, where it goes off track for him a bit with Tywin is that, and even with Cersei, to be fair to both of them, is that he doesn't understand how he is perceived by his father and by his sister. He doesn't see that he's... And, and I'm not defending their approach to him, but he doesn't see that he's he's playing into this negative role of kind of a whoremaster jester, mm. right? And and to, to 85% of the people in Westeros, that's a charming thing and it's funny and they don't really care. But right. to these people who are very status conscious, who are in his family, they do care. And he continues to try to either joke his way through it with Tywin or he's even less effective when he demands Casterly Rock mm. from Tywin because he says, I'm your son and I should have this. And his 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 empathy, his ability to understand people breaks down with Cersei and Tywin. And I think yeah. it breaks down in the same way that we all often face that within families and within dynamics with people we really care about because he wants to get something from them. He wants them to approve of him in a way that he doesn't otherwise normally care about, mm-hmm. right? And and then of course it gets compounded by the fact that they want to execute him, <laughs> and uh, then of course you know it gets worse. But he escapes and he gets to Pentos. And I think where he is helped again into this to answer your question of smoothness is when he goes to um, Daenerys in Marine. He's very aware that she has all the power. Right. Right. He he knows she has all the power. I mean, she could simply, at her whim, just have him executed or thrown back into the, the fighting pits. Mm-hmm. And he's got the courage to travel there, 
to find the purpose and to basically say to her, I have something to offer you. Mm -hmm. And he has, he confronts her with, with courage and she sees it. And again, if she was Walder Frey or King Joffrey, she'd probably have him executed yeah. anyway. But she's got her own, you know, particularly at that moment in her professional career, she's got her own empathy. And she looks at him and she realizes, hey, this guy's a truth teller. And, you know, until she sort of spirals out of control, that matters to her. Truth teller is the thing she really cares about. Mm. She wants it from, from, uh, from Tyrion. She wants it from Varys. Um, she knows she needs that. And so I think, to get to Tyrion, I think he's got an ability to read people and to empathize with people. Yeah. And that helps him a lot. And that actually would help all of us. Yes. Right? It's something that we can, you know, um, uh, we, can, we can take that message from Tyrion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you made a really interesting point about how it breaks down with the family, too. And I wonder, if we are close to people and we feel like we're having trouble reading them, how can we get better at that? How can we get better at empathizing with those who are close to us? Yeah. I see this a lot in teams. Yeah, and I think one approach, I mean, I, one approach is to really try to look more rigorously at your, I don't know if flaws is the right word, but try to look more rigorously and clearly at how you could be perceived. Mm. So probably when I was younger, I wasn't, too, I was probably a little like Tyrion, right? And in my early days in the Columbia Business School, you know, I presented myself as this, you know, loquacious, witty writer who kind of understood everyone and was always fun. And, and, and there were professional reasons for doing it. It was, it was also a good fit to my personality. And at a certain point, I was also wondering why aren't more people taking me seriously, uh. right? And because I took myself seriously, mm -hmm. and I worked very hard, but often what I was presenting to people was this very lighthearted version of myself, right? And when I was working on the book, I was thinking back to that time, and I thought, wow, I was doing a lot of what Tyrion is doing with, um, you know, with Cersei and Tywin. I was doing that in my own way a bit early in my career at the Columbia Business School because I, it was important to me for some reason to appear as if I cared, but I didn't care too much, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know exactly know why I was doing that, but I know I wasn't actually paying attention to the fact I was doing that. Mm -hmm. and, and when I looked at Tyrion and when I was writing the book, I thought he, you know, look, let's not, let's not assume that if he did one thing right here or there, Tywin would suddenly embrace him and Cersei would suddenly love him and everything would be good. I mean, they're... they're Virgin on psychopathic. You know. <laughs> right. Joffrey is psychopathic, but the other two are certainly, Tyrion was going to have a rough road either way. But if we want to extract learning from it for ourselves, one of the things Tyrion could have been more effective at doing with Cersei and Tywin was thinking about how they wanted him to act and then controlling and managing himself to do that to be more effective. Hmm. And I think all of us can do that in our own life. And I know for me, I look, when I was writing the book, I looked back at certain points in my life and thought, yeah, I kind of played to a role because it sort of pleased some people, but I didn't realize that it also allowed other people to judge me, mm -hmm. right? And so I think there's a takeaway there for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Next up is Navy SEAL turned novelist Jack Carr. And Jack explains how he learned as a Navy SEAL to empathize with people and then to build the trust that was necessary for the team to function at their best. 
we need to build trust. So it's building trust both up and down that chain of command, essentially. So it's it's using every single interaction you have with somebody, whether it's a two-minute conversation in the hallway, whether it's a brief to senior-level leaders, or it's running the obstacle course with your guys, or getting on the range with them doing some shooting competitions. Um, whatever that is, each and every one of those are opportunities to interact and build trust. Uh, so senior-level leaders are like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to leave him alone, kind of on the battlefield. Uh, my guy's alone because I trust him, and he's going to get the mission done. Uh, and then with the guys, the way you explain things to them, the way you frame things, the way you listen to them and make yourself a better leader because of the things you're learning from them um, all help develop trust. So it's first about building that foundation of trust. This last clip is Scarlett Kennedy talking about how she used empathy in the workplace to get a promotion. And if you don't know Scarlett, nobody does. She's an author who writes under a pen name. Nobody knows what she looks like. She's very mysterious. She has these stories of getting her way with people that are controversial. So for that, she keeps a low profile. But this is Scarlett Kennedy talking about empathy in the workplace. So in the workplace, I think it would make someone stand out. Um, For example, if you could analyze all of your coworkers, hopefully you don't have too many, but if you could analyze all of your coworkers, you could make them like you um, and not just like you, but be their number one. And so that would be known to the boss, I guess, if you, if you become this popular person and the boss might start paying more attention to you. Um, you can get to please your boss. Um, I actually remember once where it was an internship at the time and I was working for a charity and I was in the finance department. So in the finance department, I remember we were all having this meeting and I was just the new person. Like I just got there and everyone was kind of, not sure how to explain this. They were kind of like bashing the boss because he was a little bit of, I don't want to say a pushover, but he was a little naive Mm -hmm. and he had all these ideas for how he would persuade investors and, and companies to donate some money. And I could see that he was a little beat down because everyone was disagreeing with his ideas and, Um, people just sort of made fun of him and he let that happen. And he had this one idea for, for financing a certain, um, event that we were going to do a gala event. And I just remember looking at him and thinking, I bet if I give him that validation that he wants to get especially as the boss Mm -hmm. it was a smaller charity at the time so he was also like the ceo and i feel like most ceos want that validation as a ceo and Mm -hmm. so if you're the ceo of a smaller company and you still have to do these little meetings so he asked me what I thought of his idea 
And I knew it was an awful idea and it was a little controversial and a little shady, but I just said, yeah, I think that's great. And I didn't say any more. I didn't say any less. And so he gave me this role where I got to manage this really big project. And, um, and then I got hired by the company too. Um, from, from an internship. Yeah. Wow. But, it was after he gave me the, you know, after he, he saw that I had the skills to do it as well. So, um, but I feel like it was just because I gave light on that side of him that needed, you know, that light, which is he wanted that validation. Like I'm the CEO. Okay. You guys are going to give me that respect that I deserve Mm. and they're going to validate my ideas because I'm running this show. So I feel like it can work in that aspect. And with making sales, it would help you analyze your your customers' needs and and their lacks. I just feel like lacks is such a big thing because if you're selling something and people already have it, you know, then it won't be as affected, but as effective, sorry. But if you notice that they're lacking in, I don't know, a certain department or something, and you have a competitor that appeals to their ego, but they have a lack, which is they don't feel appreciated or loved, then I would appeal to that lack because I feel like this feeling of lack runs deeper than you know, something like someone's ego. Yeah, finding what people are lacking, what they what they seem to be missing on an emotional level is a theme throughout your last book. How do you pick up on those lacks? I just usually like to notice their, their micro-expressions, which would be sadness or disappointment. And usually you see that they put their head down or... They just have very sad body language or they react in a sad way. Um, I'm going to use that, that family member as an example. She is um, in her early 40s and she obviously had a plan where she would you know, have certain things by her age and she would have a specific career. And for some odd reason, she tends to pick on me and I'm 20 years younger than her. I'm in my early 20s. So I noticed that when I talk about certain achievements that I made, you know, financially or or uh, career-wise, she, she tends to look very sad. Or sometimes someone might overcompensate and say things like, oh, well you know, that person down the street wants to be my friend or something. That's something I always hear, overcompensation, mm-hmm. especially in lack. So it's usually how they react to things. But if they react overcompensating, then then I know that they're lacking something. Especially if I bring up a certain topic. Like if I bring up um, my love life and... 
well, I mean, if I had a love life, sorry, um, I would start, you know, just start talking about my love life and, and, um, if someone says, oh yeah, well, all these guys like me, all these girls like me, then I know they're overcompensating in their love life. I mean, not overcompensating, sorry. They're lacking in their love life. Um, but it's usually overcompensation if they look sad about something more if they react in uh, a disappointed way. Sometimes they won't even say anything because they won't even know what to add because they feel that lack so strongly and then they might just change the topic. So that's our summer 2019 wrap-up. I'm looking forward to a big fall season. Got a lot of great episodes lined up, a lot of great interviews, some book reviews as well. If you want to help me get more great guests on the show, then be sure to give a review, especially on the Apple Podcast platform. That's a huge help, and we'll see you in the fall.